Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. The Appalachian Trail stretches before me, a winding path that weaves through the breathtaking beauty of the dense woods. Towering trees stand tall, their branches reaching towards the sky, as if inviting me to explore their secrets. It's my first day as a park ranger, and the excitement bubbles within me like a rushing stream. My name is Ron, a nature enthusiast with a love for the wilderness, camping, and cats. As I embark on my journey along this renowned trail, I can't help but feel a mixture of awe and trepidation. 
Rumors of strange occurrences that have taken place here whisper through the air, adding an air of mystery to my new role. Eager to acquaint myself with the surroundings, I delve deeper into the trail, my senses heightened, absorbing every sound and shadow that dances around me. The forest comes alive with strange apparitions, fleeting glimpses of figures that seem to vanish as quickly as they appear. Eerie sounds echo through the trees, causing my heart to skip a beat. As I continue my patrol, my ears catch a distant sound that piques my curiosity. Intrigued, I follow the trail towards the source, my steps cautious but filled with a mix of fear and anticipation. The air grows heavy, and a chill runs down my spine as I come face to face with a creature beyond my wildest imagination. Before me stands a dogman, a beast with the body of a bipedal wolf and a face that resembles that of a human. Its eyes meet mine, a gaze filled with primal intelligence and hunger. I fumble for my mobile, desperate to capture evidence of this unearthly encounter, but my hands tremble, and the phone slips from my grasp, crashing to the ground. The dogman, alerted by the sound, charges towards me with a fury I could not have fathomed. Instinct kicks in, and I draw upon my training, grappling with the beast in a desperate struggle for survival. Adrenaline surges through my veins as I manage to grab hold of a knife, slashing at the creature's throat. It collapses to the ground, lifeless. Breathing heavily, disbelief courses through my veins as I stare at the fallen dogman. This extraordinary creature, the stuff of legends, now lies motionless at my feet. Fumbling to retrieve my broken phone, I attempt to capture proof of this extraordinary encounter, only to find it useless, shattered beyond repair. Doubt gnaws at the edges of my mind as I return to the trail, my footsteps heavy with the weight of what I've witnessed. Determined to seek assistance and share my unbelievable tale, I make my way back to the park ranger station to inform my senior colleague. Together, we return to the spot where the dogman had fallen, only to find an empty clearing. I honestly don't know how to explain what had happened to me. I believe I saw some sort of Native American entity. I was working as a ranger for the city of Austin, Texas. I just had one left of our reserve campsites when a very strange thing occurred. This was about 10.30 at night. I was driving my four-wheel drive pickup truck on a dirt road that led back to the entrance of the park. The area is a wooded hillside spanning 200 acres and contains a very large number of wildlife. So, being nighttime and how many animals are nocturnal, I was watching up for signs of their movement on either side of me. It was quiet, and I was the only one around. I had been following the road closely when I got this strong sensation, the road, everything around it, dense woods. I looked up just as a deer ran out in front of my truck directly in my path. It was something like 40 yards ahead of me when I saw it. I reacted immediately by pulling onto the shoulder, slamming my brakes. The deer now was only about 10 feet away from my truck when I swerved, and it vanished as soon as it went out of sight. The feeling that it told me to look up subsided. Everything went back to normal. There were no other cars on the road, of course, being just mine. I sat in place, trying to collect my bearings. My heart was beating fast, and I had a headache and I couldn't explain these feelings. What on earth? So something brought my attention to the hillside, right where the deer had come from. 
and that's when I saw movement about 50 yards into the brush. It wasn't clear. I got out of my truck to inspect and walked up to the spot where I thought I had seen the movement through the tree line. The woods were pretty thick, but about 20 feet into them, there was a small opening in trees with lower branches and ones that were not as wide or tall. They almost kind of formed a natural corridor that maybe, I'd say 50 yards opened up to the hillside before becoming obscured by the other trees and foliage. The ground sloped slightly upward many leaves. I called out with my flashlight thinking, why would there be somebody out here? It didn't make any sense. Thinking maybe I was just seeing things or it might be another deer. There was no answer and that was it. I assumed it was just my own paranoia. Now I didn't hear anything move past me, so I decided to inspect further because why not? Calling out loudly I knew at least, I'm pretty sure I saw a movement, and again, there should be no reason at all why anybody should be this far out here late at night. The movement I saw was more like a person, not a deer, at least I'm sure of it. So I kind of very shortly walked up the hillside, never hearing a sound. I decided finally that okay, enough is enough. I'm going to leave and head back to my truck. As soon as I got in, I realized there was something wrong, something strange and paranormal if you will. As soon as I got back in my truck, that's when I saw it coming out of the woods ahead of me, slightly up from where the deer emerged. It is what I can only unmistakably describe as an apparition. It was this glowing, translucent being, but unmistakably a spirit. It shimmered, seeming to be faint, but nearly transparent. It came closer to my truck and appeared as if it were getting bigger, but also darker and more solid at the same time. It was this light grayish color and then would grow darker in color, kind of pulsating. It just walked right past the front of my truck with no fear or concern about my presence whatsoever. It just walked by like nothing was there, with some kind of purposeful stride, without having so much as even a look of curiosity. And then, right there in my view, it just vanished, fading into obscurity. Not wasting a second, I flew my vehicle out of there, and my only mission in that moment was to go, 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 go. Before this, I thought ghosts were a joke. I had never been a believer in the paranormal or what many refer to as the spirit realm. But after this, that changed my mind, and I'll never forget what I saw. But it wasn't until the following morning when I really kind of fully mentally processed what I saw, surprisingly because I didn't sleep that much. But a thought occurred to me, and I realized what it really happened. What I saw looked like a stereotypical image of a native, long hair down to its shoulders, feathers, a headdress, actually. My professional theory is that somebody, a Native American, has gone through this road many times before in their lifetime and they're simply showing me something that happened here at some point along the way. Maybe they stumbled upon these woods at night, and for whatever reason, they were killed on the spot by first contact European settlers, who probably had no qualms about killing anybody different than them, including women and children. I do not believe this entity or spirit to have been malicious. It didn't come off as that. It was just something that happened to them in their lifetime. This spirit was merely doing whatever some non-physical thing does when in the process of trying to relive what happened. It's a possibility that this spot is where these people might have been killed or injured in an altercation. Maybe they were stuck between this world and the next. I don't know. 
Maybe they've seen my truck hundreds of times out here late at night over the years, and now I'm able to pick up on whatever happens to come through here. Who knows? Anyway, that's my experience with the paranormal. Hopefully, it will be my last. I have family in law enforcement, and I found these old archive files. Well, my grandfather did because he has access to documents. This is an old printout of something that I found very interesting, so I thought I would share it with you. Here you go. May 22, 1984 Officer LG was patrolling the area around a local park during the night shift. At approximately 1.25 a.m., the officer reported veering off course to investigate flashing lights in an adjacent wooded section of the city. Spotting several bright lights slowly hovering along the tree line, as he drove closer to investigate, his vehicle reportedly lost power and stalled. As he approached, an object described as having a dark body with many bright lights hovered silently above him, roughly 300 feet away. The object allegedly reeled out some type of thin black cord, which struck and wrapped around his police car as it backed away from him. The object then took off into the air and disappeared into darkness. Officer LG wrote his account of the event on May 24, 1984. The following day, he reported the incident to command, who denied anything had happened and insisted that his vehicle was in perfect working order. Officer LG's police cruiser was inspected by technicians at the city garage, who found nothing wrong with it mechanically. No evidence of alterations or unusual damage were noted after inspection. No support for Officer LG's claim would come from local authorities until three months later when another officer, Officer F, called into dispatch, reporting a very similar object near the same park, along with reports of several other officers who had also spotted strange lights descending toward a tree line, then vanishing without explanation. Thereafter, Officer F and Officer LG were reportedly ridiculed by command to stop spreading rumors ultimately leading to Officer LG being permanently dismissed from duty. I was recently working near a river in the British Columbia wilderness, when about 20 meters from me and my co-worker we heard loud footsteps crashing through the trees. My co-worker yelled out. Nothing, the footsteps continued, but after he yelled out a second time the footsteps stopped and then things went completely silent. There was other people in the vicinity throughout the week, but to our knowledge, nobody there that day. I grew up hunting and I am very familiar with the fauna of Western Canada. It sounded like a bull or cow moose or elk, perhaps a sizable buck. But to my knowledge, they don't have the smarts to actively hide from humans when they are yelled at. Same with bears. Mountain lions, however, do but I don't believe one would ever be so loud and clumsy sounding. WTF was in the woods. I'm not above thinking it was perhaps a Bigfoot. Or was it a sinister person? In 2014, I was living with my then-girlfriend, now wife, and our son in a forest house close to the center of Bolton in northwest England. The house is what we call a two-up-two down here because they have two rooms upstairs and two rooms downstairs. The stairs ran down the kitchen side of the wall that divided the two downstairs rooms. 
my girlfriend was working on a course to become a veterinary nurse. For this, she had to work the 2 p.m. to 11 p.m. shifts, so there was just me and my son in the house. I had put him to bed a few hours before and was now downstairs washing the pot and pans. I heard footsteps on the landing and assumed it was my son, thinking he had woken up and was now running around upstairs looking for us, as he was apt to do. I dried my hands and prepared to go through the routine of putting him back to bed. But I noticed these were not the erratic footsteps of a child, but the heavy deliberate footsteps of an adult. The footsteps began to descend the stairs. I turned to see not my son, but a tall woman dressed in a long white gown. As her head came into view, I could see she was well over six feet tall and had long blonde hair. The stairs curved to the left as they approached the ground. As this woman rounded the corner, I saw her face. She looked odd. Her features were human, but something was off about them. Like she was something imitating a human. As she took the last step towards the floor, she vanished. I stood still in shock for a few moments but then plucked up the courage to go upstairs and check on my son. Thankfully, he was still fast asleep. About half an hour later, my girlfriend got home. I was still slightly shaken up, but happy to see another real human. She wasn't all that surprised, which was a bit unnerving. She had lived there for a few years before I met her and most people who visited experienced something in that house. Mostly knocks and bangs at all hours and ghost cats. The bangs could have been the neighbors to be fair. Having to tell people the cat they just saw run through the house isn't your cat is always a fun conversation. Thankfully, the full body apparitions weren't all that common. So my friend told me this story and swears it's true. It still sends chills down my spine every time I think about it. So it's a story of his friend who's also a skilled hunter named Joe, a man who played guitar in local indie band, and an experienced tracker. One fateful day, Joe embarked on a solo expedition deep into the wilderness of New Mexico, unaware of that that awaited him. It started out like any other hunting trip. The crisp air of the wilderness was there as he ventured into the heart of nature, his rifle by his side and a sense of anticipation in his veins. He had his sights set on an elk, a creature whose meat would sustain him through the coming months. As the sun began its descent, casting long shadows across the landscape, he finally spotted the perfect target. With steady hands and focused determination, he aimed and fired, the sound of the gunshot shattering the tranquil... Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. 
Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Silence of the forest. The elk fell, and he felt a mix of pride and relief. But then, things started to go awry. As he approached the fallen elk, a strange sensation washed over him. It was as if a pair of eyes were piercing through the dense foliage, watching his every move. He brushed it off as mere paranoia, attributing it to the isolation of the wilderness. Yet as he reached down to claim his prize, a roar echoed through the trees, shaking him to the core. He froze, his heart pounding in his chest, as he turned to face the source of the terrifying sound. What he saw defied all logic and reason. Standing before him was a massive bipedal creature, towering over like a Bigfoot. Before he could react, the creature lunged at him with lightning speed, its powerful fist connecting with his jaw. He crumpled to the ground, disoriented and in pain, as it swiftly grabbed the elk carcass, tearing it away from his grasp. The creature vanished into the wilderness, leaving him in a state of shock and disbelief. So he sat there, trying to make sense of what had just happened. He says it felt like a nightmare, but the ache in here jaw and the lingering taste of blood confirmed its chilling reality. No matter how hard he tried, he couldn't shake off the image of that immense creature stealing his kill. He still swears it's a true story. Do with this story what you want. ex-Royal Navy lieutenant here. Back in 26, the ship I was on HS York was crossing the Bay of Biscay when we found a single empty survival suit floating around. When it was first spotted, we thought it was a body, but when we put a boat out to check it out, it turned out to be empty. Probably fell off a container ship in a storm or something totally normal, or maybe something else spooky or whatever. That was kind of creepy, but not really. We bend it almost immediately. Of course, there's nothing your average sailor likes more than gossip and exaggeration. So within a matter of hours, there were rumors sweeping the lower decks that the guys who picked it up out of the water had found blood, or body parts, or bite marks, or anything else someone could make up. Classic sailor rumor monitoring action. A few days later, I had one of the younger and more gullible lads 17 or 18 years old in my division ask to speak to me in private and tell me that he was scared that he'd get eaten by a sea monster if he went overboard. Naturally, I told him we'd do our best to get him out of the water before any of the local wildlife could get a proper hold on him. Job's a good un. Around about 20 years ago, I worked for the Big Boy Scout Ranch in New Mexico. Philmont. Google it. It's gorgeous. The ranch itself is divided up into little regional support zones. 
you have a base camp where all these backpacking hiker scouts would come in. Ages of about 14, 21 sometimes with their parents, but generally chaperoned in some way, and oftentimes a mix of guys and girls. So these kids, and I use the word kid loosely, because hey, I'm old, and all you 20-somethings are kids to me. It's not an insult, it's just perspective. Would go through an initial training period, and then be set loose on the ranch. They'd get an itinerary, telling them to be at X place at Y time, and then off they'd go. Knocking out their 100 plus mile course over 10 days to three weeks. I have to admit it was pretty awesome as a scout. It was a grand experience, and at $350 a kid for two weeks, it was pretty cheap. So anyway, regional zones of control. Scattered throughout the ranch, there were maybe 100-120 primitive camping sites. Some place to drop your gear, get water, take a dump, whatever. You might be on the trail for two, three days before you got to one of the 34-36 staffed backcountry camps. A backcountry camp had a staff of 3-6 depending on the size and activity. The activity was some sort of Old West-style skill that they would then teach the kids. Maybe it's gold panning or deep rock mining, shotguns, burrow racing, compass and starlight navigation, whatever. I worked at three separate backcountry camps during my years as staff. This would have been the summer of 90s. There were a number of bear attacks that year, more than a dozen. There were also two mountain lion attacks that thankfully the news agencies ignored. Come to think of it, I was stalked twice, each time for more than 30 minutes. I worked at Harlan Camp, a backcountry camp with guns, specifically shotguns, full NR a certified range, and donation of four gorgeous Ruger Red Label over under 12 gauge shotguns. We'd spend the mornings teaching kids to reload birdshot shells and spend the afternoons blazing away at clay pigeons. We also had burrows. Think of them as shorter, more pissed off donkeys. We'd name them. And then just after dinner, the kids would be assigned a burrow and flog them up and down the valley in a race. And we'd watch every time and pray that the kids wouldn't get their face kicked in. But when we weren't teaching the kids, we maintained an active search area of about 24 square miles around our little backcountry heaven. We were all search and rescue trained. Occasionally, a half crew of bewildered campers would hit our front porch and tell us that someone had fallen and broken a leg or needed to be similarly evacuated. So this is really just one story of many. Our camp also bordered the highway and we often had weirdos try and hike up the Jeep trail from the road. We'd have to corral these people and escort them off the ranch. Once at gunpoint, spooky tale starts here. So it's just after midnight. Late part of the season, maybe the first or second weekend of September, Weather starting to change, the nights came earlier. The camp had finally quieted down, and we'd wrapped up the last bear patrol of the evening. Basically running around and making sure some dumbass kid hadn't dumped powdered Gatorade on a stump again in the hopes of luring a bear to his campsite. The bulk of the campers were asleep by about 9 p.m.-ish. On these nights, there was one lone light on the staff cabin really just bright enough for you to find your way to the shitter and back without getting lost. No moon this night, but the starlight could still be pretty incredible. Were it not so overcast, we're sitting there on the front porch. Three of us, the camp director is inside, 
We're cleaning the guns. I can still remember the smell of the solvent. Big black glass bottle. We'd just slid the guns back into the safe, and we were locking up when it started. Screaming. Sounded like a person. Sounded like several. Women. Screaming. I've never heard anything like it before or since. But distant. And close all at the same time. I looked at my buddy, and we both grabbed our guns and reached for the emergency loads. One shell of tightly packed power that made one hell of a noise. And one shell loaded with zeros and buckshot that we didn't let the kids use. We booked it out to the burrow pens, only to find the burrows not there. They had a square enclosure and a sort of long run that opened up to a small fence pasture and a hayloft about 20 feet tall. So we make it through the gate and the screaming is much worse. Maybe two minutes have passed since we stepped off the cabin porch. I'm in the best shape of my life at this point, but still my heart was pounding so hard I could hear it. I could feel the blood pumping in my ears I was so on edge. We moved back into the enclosure spread out so as not to accidentally blow each other in half. The screaming changed, shifted from high pitch to something more guttural, more like a low, hoarse, raspy growl. Sounded huge moving through the tree lines just outside the fence. We finally get to the burrows. They're all bunched up by the fence line. They see us and come running over, like we're part of the herd or something. They're shaking, and in the cool, crisp air, they're sweating, like they've been sprinting back and forth in the pen. The screaming stops, though whatever the F it was moves back into the tree. My buddy takes aim and fires his noise load, but this did not hasten the withdrawal of the creature. We'd packed the noise loads two months previous in celebration of the 4th of July. We'd hiked up to the ridge, and at midnight, our guns had belted fire into the sky. The thunderous rapport was reported heard from the other camps up the valley, 20 miles away. Fitting since it took two days for my ears to stop ringing, the creature took its time leaving. Huge bushes shook when it made its way through them. We hung around with the burrows till dawn took turns sleeping in the hayloft just in case. The burrows. Best to think of them like big dogs seemed overjoyed to have us there, leaping and jumping about. When the sun came up, I saw the blood. Blood on the hooves of the burrows. Blood in the pasture. Blood on the fence. Blood splattered on hay. Blood on our boots and jeans where we'd failed to see what we were standing in the night before. I followed the blood trail up the ravine wall that the fence pasture backed up to. I didn't have to go more than 20 or 30 years before I found what was left of it. Big mountain lion, probably male I couldn't tell got into the burrow pen, probably thinking he could take one down. Goddamned burrows stomped the F to death. Its rear legs were practically sheared off, crushed pelvis and lower spine twisted and exposed. It didn't react to the noise from the shotgun because it couldn't. It just wanted to get away from there before it died. My grandfather was on the USS Block Island when it was sunk off the coast of Italy in 1944. Six men lost and 951 were rescued by the other ships in the fleet. When the ship was hit, obviously the evacuation was immediate. No time to grab personal effects, just grab a life vest and get the F out. 
Eventually, my grandfather was plucked out of the water by a Marine on another vessel. Fast forward to 1966. My grandfather was working in a hangar in the Norfolk, Virginia Naval Base. Right as he was getting ready to wrap up his work for the day, he was approached by two men in suits. They were FBI. FBI, are you X? Grandpa, yes. FBI, were you on the USS Block Island in 1944? Yes. Were you issued a 9 millimeter pistol, serial 12,345,678? I believe so. Minutes. Do you know where that pistol is right now? At the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean as far as I know. Turns out that as the ship was being evacuated and someone grabbed some weapons, or at least this particular one out of the armory, the weapon somehow found its way to the U.S. and had been found at the scene of a mob murder the two weeks earlier in New York City. Edit. Now that I am thinking about it, their rescue was pretty badass too and worth telling. The other ships in the fleet sailed, full speed towards the floating survivors. Then cut their engines to avoid detection from the U-boat's radar, I guess. And their momentum allowed them to drift through the survivors and pick them up. My grandfather said he tread water for hours before finally being scooped out of the ocean. Most of the guys had life vests, but they only helped keep them afloat for a little while, and they had to share them. He said he didn't have enough strength to pull himself up onto the rescuing vessel, and that the marine that pulled him out of the water was one of the largest men he had ever seen in his life. As the block island sank, the survivors heard an explosion. They were pretty sure it was the sound of the block island exploding either as a result of the water pressure on the munitions, or maybe something in the ship was still burning and caught munitions, or the ship's fuel supply. No matter the case, they were pretty sure the sound came from their sinking ship, because of the direction it came from. The German sub that hit them thought the explosion was the sound of them being hit, and surfaced to assess the damage. When the Germans surfaced, the rest of the fleet blew the U-boat out of the water. I was RV camping with my Irish wolfhound, Marty, last summer. We were in an old camping ground outside of Naples, Florida. Marty wanted out around 10 p.m. that night. Not long after I let him out, I heard a loud yelping from the swamp. I immediately flooded the area with my handheld spotlight, calling out to Marty. That's when I saw an unusual creature with eyes that glowed brilliant orange. The creature was yellowish-brown, two half-feet tall bipedal, with several foot-long spines on the back. It was hunched over Marty, sucking blood out of, of his neck. It screeched at me and ran off. Marty's neck had two fang marks as he laid lifeless. I heard another scream nearby, so I picked up Marty's body and headed home to the 24-hour vet. The vet said he had never seen this before, and confirmed that Marty had been drained of blood. He mentioned El Chupacabras from his home in Puerto Rico, but said he had never seen one and thought is was a myth. So I'm not a skeptic or anything. I just haven't dealt with much paranormal-related stuff because I steered clear of anything that could potentially haunt me. So no dolls, mirrors, paintings, etc. About a year ago, when I was staying up late sometimes, I would hear this extremely loud breathing, 
or at least some sort of airy movement that went on for 30 seconds whilst I just listened. It sounded the same and just as clear even if I was in different locations for each separate occurrence. Once in the bedroom, once in the living room, and once in the home office. On the second floor it happened in several month intervals and it sounded consistent or mechanical perhaps. Enough that I figured there must be some sort of normal explanation. The house is very new, to many tennis, no basement, no dark past or anything. What could explain that? Thank you.